0: Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 203 on the OneOuter.com podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes and Stitcher for free. If you want to send questions in for the show, then please email questions at OneOuter.com Or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. To Alex and all our listeners, Happy New Year. This is the first episode of 2019. We took December off. I think it was the whole of December off. Uh, I think the last episode was the end of November or certainly the first week of December. Anyway, we are back. A lot of exciting things going to be happening in 2019. Alex, Happy New Year. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Barry? yeah I'm good I'm good I would say I've missed you but um I'm that sort of happy with my own work existence in life that even (laughs) guaranteed every week on a Thursday kind of gives me the sort of like heebie-jeebies sometimes knowing that I have that commitment you know to be there (laughs) so I've enjoyed the break as well it's not that I don't enjoy talking to you it's just been strange that like it's the only thing that's really always scheduled every week for me that that is always at that time and it's been like oh because it's like you don't differentiate the days as much or something so I think uh it feels like I've had I don't know it's it's went a bit slower or something like life seemed to have slowed down since I stopped talking with you
1: yeah it's (laughs) Boy, you would hate my life if you do not like having a schedule. <laughs> when I wake up, like every hour is scheduled. You will be at the gym at this time. You will be on the train at this time. You will be recording this podcast at this time. You will be teaching this Jonathan Little class at this time. And you will be doing this lesson at this time. And after that, there is this lesson. And then after that, you will be working on this YouTube video. So you're telling me you just, like, wake up, watch some box sets, like, eat your and Crunch and just keep going every day and don't know what day it is? Pretty much. Um, nice.
0: Nice. I need to get in on your line of work. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I try and not – there's no real set schedule. What I'll do is I'll get up and I'll just take what the sort of, you know, day throws at me. And I know, like, people would say, oh – That's not a way to be productive and stuff, but it's kind of the way I'm set up. So I'll wake up, what needs done today, right, I'll go and do that. And then, yeah, if I don't, if I wake up feeling like not really into it, then I can, the main thing for me is like with my other businesses and stuff like that, it's just getting everything else processed. And, you know, so some days are busier than others. So the downside to that is someday, you know, I'll wake up and it's really, I'm not chasing my tail but it's like I've got to get this done today it has to be done and then other days when it's a little quieter there's not much to do so I can then go and work on other stuff I want to do or or just yeah do whatever um yeah it is it's pretty good the the downside to that is that the old saying you know it's a bit some boredom can creep in sometimes and you find yourself yeah just watching the box sets and films not doing much and I go through bouts of that. But then I also, on the other side, go through bouts of weeks and weeks of really working, you know, 60 hours a week or just constantly and then stop for a while. So, yeah, it's fine. I I think the only thing I could do better at is uh, sorting out the sleep schedules a bit. I I am bad, especially through the winter and after Christmas there of really late nights and then sleeping most of the day, waking up, not much daylight left because it's winter. And then you know the day just becomes the next day, the next day, and it's you don't get much done during a you know a, what people would. I can still work on the computer and things at night, but in a traditional you know sort of work business environment, your nine to five hours or your eight to six hours or whatever, um, you don't have many of them left if you're waking up at two in the afternoon.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm terrible with that too. I I work. I also think something that's interesting is probably why you and I are self-starters is probably anxiety. Many times people tell me, oh, anxiety is so terrible. And I go, I don't know. I blew up off of anxiety. I wake up. Do you you wake up and you know what needs to be done and then you do it. I think
0: a lot of people don't have that gear. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. That's I always put off the only thing I kind of procrastinate on these days or kick my heels a bit are things where there is not a deadline or things where a deadline is, you know, a few weeks in the future. Then I am still a bit like, ah, OK, I you know, I should get it done now. And give me some time, but I can get it done. And actually, if you break it down, I think that's just quite an efficient way of working, really, um, in the sense that, it doesn't need to be done today, so why do it today? Do what needs to be done today sort of thing. It's That's, that's the way I work, and the, I seem to be happier doing that. You know, I, I've never been the person who studies weeks in advance for an exam. I'll deal with the first exam and, or the first uh, paper or whatever that needs to be done, and then if the next one is you know three, four days, then I'll kick in and, and I'll cram and do it. It's, it's just the way I work better. A, a lot of people can't work like that. In regards to the anxiety, the only thing I think you can struggle with that is when you we've we've spoke about it before. When you're used to just working and working and working and doing lots of work, I don't know if that sounds rich from someone that's just said I don't really do much each day apart from you know get up and do whatever. But the the whatever is stuff that I've done for so many years. I don't class it as work. That's the difference. It is still work. I, you know I have to work, but. Um, I've set it up and I enjoy it that it doesn't feel like work. So maybe that's what I I want that to sort of come across. But the key thing is when I'm not working, when there's literally nothing to do, I find it difficult to sometimes even settle and enjoy a film or enjoy literally doing nothing because you feel like your standard is constantly working in perpetual motion and, and getting things done. So when you are literally taking a real break of you're not doing anything at all, then you can get a bit antsy and sort of feeling like, whoa, this is a bit strange. I feel like I should be doing something, and then you end up finding something to do. And the the thing is, what's just happened at the winter there is I literally took a a, a break. You know, the podcast was nothing. Yeah, it's only an hour a week, but there is some editing and other things and dealing with emails and setting things up and that and some maintenance and stuff when like site issues happen, etc. But it's, it's it's very little actual time spent on it. So I really took a conscious effort to have a proper break. And what's happened there is I'm a little bit too comfortable now doing nothing. You know, so January's just me warming up in a first and second gear, and it's just the way I work. It's funny how you get into some sort of even when you don't have a routine, that's your routine sort of thing. You know. And when you try and break out of it or you have to break out of it to get your arsing gear and actually get some work done, you know, it takes a little bit more effort or a little bit more momentum. But before you know it, you're back in that mindset and then you're working again and then you're moaning that you don't have, have any time to relax. So it's just <laughs> life. It's life. Everybody's got it different. Whether you work for yourself or work for someone else, it's, you know, there's positives and negatives. And it's all, it's all just finding what right what's right for you and what fits
1: it is strange how it's become a normal cultural thing now to when you ask someone how are you the normal answer is oh very busy very busy right and i always feel like it's a negative thing and it, it you're right and I, I like that you're saying hey i take breaks as someone who I don't know if I've taken a week off since I was 19 years old. I really don't think I have. Uh, I would be shocked to find out I did. I've taken four days off, three days off, something along those lines. But that's about it. And I don't really regret that because everybody I know, the United States is very obsessed with status. I don't know how the United Kingdom is. But the general consensus here is when you're 30 years old, you're supposed to be well ahead in your career and kicking ass and driving Maseratis, and, which is wholly unrealistic, by the way, and is at complete odds with the other prevailing cultural belief, which is your 20s are supposed to be your time of experimentation and figuring everything out. And I don't know how those coexist, but it is nice when everybody else is super worried at the age of thirty, about where they're going, to know okay, I did set up my life the way I wanted to, and things are going pretty well. But it it feels like I I like how you're like this is I, I I'm not I'm I'm sorry I'm really struggling to word it, but I like how you're very forthcoming about, I have times I shut it down. I think that's actually very good that you do take weeks off. I think, I wish I could do that. I just, uh, well, p- part of that is my life situation, but I, I also, I wonder if I don't have that gear. I, I work all day. If I'm not working, I'm working out. I literally, I think 13 days in a row I've worked out. I don't want to say, now, when I say that, I, I think a lot of people just picture like a guy with like rippling biceps or something like that. I still have my belly and blah, 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 right? Or not really, but a little bit. It's just an anxiety thing, but I feel like I work out to work more, and then by the end of the day, I don't even have the energy to watch a box set. I can't watch television because I 20 minutes go by and I go, I, I can't track this. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. so what I end up doing is I watch basketball or I watch football. I have no, I watch 10 minutes at a time. I fade out, come back in. And I really think it's something I lack, the ability to shut it down. I like how you don't take pride in just going, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, because that's a super inefficient thing. And especially us Americans love that, right? How are you? I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Doesn't that mean we're out of control
0: does that mean we're not really together? Is I, that
1: I would say sorry, you know, go
0: ahead. I would say it's even worse than that. I would say if you are really feeling like you are that busy that you don't have time to do it, you gotta ask yourself, what are you doing it for? I mean, it's like the old parable that we talked about before. You're doing it all so you can retire and go fishing. <laughs> like, no, go go fishing now. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it comes back to the sort of also, you know, we love quoting our, you know, our favourites, our Tim Ferris. Uh, Nassim Taleb, and Seneca, of course, <laughs> but, uh, and Mr. Miyagi. But um, it's, it's really strange because I think it only comes from experience, really, most of the time. And I've went, I flipped and flopped, and this is the way I, I sort of went. In my 20s, I did the bare minimum. And I mean in every sense, When I was, you know, I graduated uni with a first-class honours degree, the best you can get, distinction, but I don't feel that I really probably got out of third gear the whole way through, you know, like, Uh and I looked at what the grade's weighting was, what what demanded the focus. It's like I worked out how to optimally get the degree rather than actually, (laughs) and then I saw all these people running around like headless chickens cramming, who got worse grades than me now without sort of like blowing my own trumpet and stuff it's like I felt it was a subject I naturally sort of took to and I was interested in anyway so maybe I maybe I'm blind to my own this is going to sound really cocky I can't but maybe I'm blind to my own academic ability there you know like I didn't realize that I was actually putting in the work of that it didn't feel like work to me well let's put it that way it what i imagined would be required to get that degree is not what i did you know um that's the best way i can sort of explain that so when it comes to like work i used to literally this is how i would work i would go oh as we say in scotland i'm skin you know i have no money oh i'm skin like broke in america i'm a way to get creative here and i would go out And I would use contacts, I would look, spend hours on the computer searching for deals or opportunities, whether it was buying and selling stuff or something else or uh, doing a little bit of like setting up a, you know, a website for someone or consulting them who've got an Amazon business or so I would do whatever it was to get money and I'd make like a little pot of money that was enough for my lifestyle to say for, I don't know, five, six months and then I'd do nothing like work related. i i would go and play poker or i would go and you know enjoy myself or do whatever and then when the money started getting low and me going oh shit i feel this broke again i'm skin like and then i would go out and work right now that was like my sort of 20s and then i hit 30 and that's when i sort of whether it was just a, a stereotypical shit this is real like this is i'm 30 you know psychological thing or whatever like I don't want to go, I think you get tired of living like that and you want a bit more stability, whether it's savings and security, or you want to feel like I'm on a path that, you know, you don't want to be eating cat food when you're 60 sort of thing. So I started going, right, I'm a way to do this in work ethic. And I really sort of uh, made sure that I, really worked in terms of put the hours in on that, like on an on a project and really put them in and put them in and kept doing it. And even when I thought now is the time I'd stop and take a break, I kept pushing and pushing. And it compounded and the money grew and the opportunities grew, etc. And before you know it, you've got, you know, savings that you haven't had in a long time. You're you've got cash flow coming in from like various things and that becomes addictive and then what happens is i think you hit a point or like a plateau like anything where okay i've got enough savings to cover me for this amount of time you know for my expenses and my lifestyle i'm making money this business is kind of set up there that's spinning off some cash the the thing is i sort of reverted back to type again so i i'd say from 30 to 34 I really, you know, knocked myself in in terms of like really hard work, hard work. And I mean hard work, you know, physical and mental with a lot of the stuff I was doing, you know, going to China and everything. And then the last, say, year and a half, two years, I started noticing, well, I actually think my anxiety was lower and some even even happiness was higher when I took it easy a bit. So I was like, uh uh-huh. You don't need to do nothing, but you also don't need to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You need to find that trade off, and it's different for everyone. But I definitely think you need to do it because I think otherwise, either opposite end of that spectrum is going to result in eventual unhappiness or severe panic attacks or breakdown. Whether you're working too much or whether you're not working enough, either end of the spectrum is going to be eventually. You're going to question yourself. You're going to question this whether you're on the right path, happiness, etc. And again, to just tie this up, Nassim Taleb, mm-hmm. uh, in one of his books or something he's talked about, is the Mediterranean way of life. They are happy to say we're doing the bare minimum here to make enough to make whatever. We're happy having free time and having a lax attitude, and then we'll do a little bit and make some money. But then we'll go straight back to our wine and olives and relax and have a siesta or whatever whereas there's this real western sort of protestant work ethic that is almost a badge of honor like my dad worked his fingers to the bone till he was 60 and then dropped dead of a heart attack you know right so i i do i think it's a balance and i think it's different for everyone and you probably never you probably have to just keep adapting and Tinkering. I mean, as you get older, there's certain things you can't do a lot as the way you used to do them in your 20s. And I'm not just talking physically, I mean mental capacity. You know, you're learning, maybe slow down or, you know, your curiosity and stuff, little things on a daily basis. And then one day you just feel, I feel, you know, I feel more stupid than I was when I was 25 or something. Or I don't, you know, so I do. I think it's a real, pardon the pun, I think it's a work in progress, you know, for everyone.
1: Yes, I, the thought I had while listening to you talk there, the thing that I like, the Stoics used to talk about appreciate the fruit that's in season. It sounded like you had times, seasons in your life where you said it's time to work. And then you appreciated when the season changed, when, hey, I'm, I set myself up and I noticed four years of driving myself this way I need to cool it down a little bit. And I think that's great. It just We'll get into poker in just a second, guys. I just, Barry made some really good points there that I really wish someone had gotten through to me when I was younger. So if there's any aspiring entrepreneurs on listening to this, I would really like it if you guys could avoid my mistakes. Barry tried to counsel me when I was younger, by the way. I just didn't listen. Uh, the thing that I really like, yeah, the Protestant work ethic, my stepfather, okay, my father is a fisherman. My stepfather has worked for a steel company his whole life. Uh, my mom was a teacher. I think every single one of them would tell you, like, hey, it's not noble to just work your whole life. <laughs> it's not to just work yourself to the bone. My stepdad would be the first to tell me that because he, he works hard. And I, I it's just my personal opinion, but I, I feel like he just wasn't compensated what he deserves given his acuity, give, given how hard he works. And I, I guess that's most businesses, people feel like that. It's no knock on where he works. It's just a lot of times, unless you're doing it for yourself, you're not gonna be able to make what you're worth uh working for anyone that just becomes a problem. And the thing that I liked is you were appreciating the fruit that's in season. And that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. A few weeks ago I told myself, because I was pissing and moaning to myself, I, I'm working so much. I never and then I told myself, why don't you appreciate the fruit that's in season? You're in New York, you're hustling. You love being on the subway. You love listening to... When I was a kid, I used to listen to this uh, Everlast album, uh, Whitey Ford Sings the Blues. And it's uh, and the reason I got into it is I didn't even know it was a hip-hop album. I was like 10 or something. And that song, it, that album had like really old-school beats. And it just made me think of a city and hustling and trying to make it. And it, it kind of brought me back when I was on the subway listening to this album of being 10 years old in my little suburban home, uh, you know, buy a quarry and buy a missile silo, and buy a gun range, but still suburban home, right? And uh, it, it just wanting adventure and just, you know, when your dad works for a steel company and you, I mean, your mom, uh, you know, trying to find a job and all that, you, you don't really think you're probably gonna go much, you, it's kind of a mythical thing to go to New York if you're working class in the United States, because that, that's something people with college degrees, that's a place where people with college degrees go. And that, how do you get a college degree? Well, you're gonna need uh, to take out a loan for $60,000, when probably the only smart thing I ever did when I was 18 is I realized giving me $60,000 was not a good idea, uh, or 45 or 60, I don't know what it is now. But yeah, I think about 60, and then if you wanna get a master's, it's probably 100 something. And uh, I just didn't see, you know, I didn't have great grades. I, I didn't excel in school. Nobody told me you should go to college. Nobody said, did you take your SATs or any of that? And just to be in New York and hustling and everything, I started, the last few weeks, I started appreciating the fruit that's in season. And I just, I've been enjoying myself much, much more. Just really enjoying working a ton, much more. Because there's an appreciation that this season will end at some point. I had the other, I had what you had, which is I turned 30 and I looked around and went, what am I doing? My 20s were a lot of fun. But I looked back and I I had a lot of back taxes because you you spend 10 years drinking, chasing girls, Smoking pot, traveling the world, gambling for millions, getting divorced, detonating companies, getting deported, getting arrested, etc. Uh, you leave some damage in your stead, right? And at 30, I decided I wanted to clean this all up. And praise be to God, the checks are processing. I just paid off all my back taxes. It took a year of working. I was going to say sweatshop hours, but that's not really fair to people who work in sweatshops. We're working quite a bit. And I should have appreciated it because it was the fruit that was in season. It's like how many guys want to hustle and make it in New York and how many of them get to do it? And you're really you're paying what you should have paid the United States has a fine tax system. I just was not together. I didn't. I didn't have my paperwork together. It was all my fault. It was just. I was 25 and stupid, etc. There's. It's uh, like the amount we get charged is just pennies compared to Europe, right? And I just wasn't responsible, and it was completely my fault, and it was time as an adult to take care of it. And I should have appreciated the fruit that was in season because it was actually a lot of fun learning how to run an info product business. It was also terrifying to learn a new business uh, at at that time, but it was a lot of fun. I didn't spend a lot of time appreciating it because I wasn't appreciating the fruit that was in season. Now, I'm not completely done yet because (laughs) – I just got my bill for 2018 and <laughs> New York state income tax is something special, right? And I, it, it's worth it though, uh, because in New York you have so many connections and you learn from so many people. And there's there's no other part of the United States you could find someone who has a business like me. And here it's like on every corner someone has advice to give you. Every time I go to my gym, I'm getting advice and I improved and I tripled my business over a year. But I'm also enjoying this more now because I understand there is going to be a time it comes to an end. There will be a time you get ahead of it. And it looks like I'm going to get ahead of it like pretty soon. Like it is on the doorstep. It's uh, I already did what I should have done what I should have done years ago. And it feels great because my 20s were really fun, and there was a lot of exploring the game, obsessively writing about the game, not really thinking about money, obsessively teaching it, probably not charging what I was worth, probably not doing what I was worth, and learning about running businesses, how to not run business, etc. cetera. How, how to not have adult relationships and learning a lot from my mistakes. And it's fun to just be straight and straightforward. And uh, you have your whole life together at this point. Uh, But there is an expectation of which I think you're right, which is there needs to be resting seasons. Biorhythms are a thing. It's okay to push yourself a long time. It's, It's okay to push yourself hard when, hey, buddy, get your act together. Right. This is not something you you don't want to be 36 and realizing you still don't have your act together. And that was a very real possibility with my habits a year ago, Uh, just half assing everything and not putting my all into anything, not maximizing, feeling like it was somehow unethical to ask money for my services or to ask what I was worth. No, it's nice to have everything together. But there has to be, I don't think also as a creator, you create your best work if you're just running yourself into the ground every single day. The best ideas you can have, I bet you've had great ideas for your business, Barry, when you're just sitting watching old horror movies, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there is a season for that. And I'm actually really looking forward to that season. When I send off the final check here on April 15th, I'm spending two weeks going to every dumbass sporting event in new york city and i'm just going to take these subways up to the end of the line everywhere and i'm just going to walk around and listen to my audiobooks and have fun i think there's a season for that too you got to appreciate the seasons and if you can make the seasons correlate with different places in the world which i was extremely and blessed to do during my 20s to live on the desert to live on the mediterranean to live on the pacific ocean and central american ghettos and african-american cities and uh, Asian metropolises and central Europe and whatnot. Uh, if you get to do that, you're the richest man on earth. And I really feel like having seasons in life and working really hard at different times and other times, just skipping the world, trying to gamble, trying to learn, trying to figure out a craft, having fun, going for it. Losing, losing is a great salary. Losses teach you a lot. Every professional athlete has a ton of losses to learn from. If you don't get into the game, you don't have losses. So losses show you're in the game. And just, yeah, I feel incredibly blessed these days. And it is, I, I just, I saw it. it was something you were trying to teach me years ago, which is, Alex, there's seasons in life, right? You, there's times you push hard and there's times you got to dial back. And if there were a few years ago, I dialed back and really thought about what I was doing, which is what I had to do at the beginning of this year to enact the changes I've made in my life this year. I would have done this all three, four years ago, but I just wasn't listening to you, Barry, because I I was stupid in 26, right? <laughs> right now I'm stupid in 30, but a little less stupid. Anyways, guys, let's get let's get into some poker questions. How about it? Yeah, yeah. Let's do no,
0: I can hear myself back, Alex. Just
1: so, yeah, it's a, it's a, whenever the connection gets a little goofy. Sorry about that. Go
0: ahead. Okay, uh, first thing we're going to do is I'm going to read out the winners of the book giveaway of Alex's new book. And <gasps> I went through the tweets and I'm just going to read out the winners there. So the first winner is his name on Twitter is Grandpa Grinder. Um, the name kind of did it for me. And, uh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, Grandpa Grinder and he put I'm old and need the free book to keep up with the Wizards. Uh, hashtag pick me. So he is, he is the first winner. Anthony Maniac, 11.30. And uh, I think you should consider me because I have been working so hard at improving my game. My bankroll is limited, but my learning potential is limitless. I would also pay this forward when I'm in a position like you to do so. So I kind of like that. And this guy was like, uh, you know, he's trying to build his game and build his bankroll and someone that's going to pay it forward and stuff as well. I mean, Dennis Patterson, uh made this, you know, I, I said, I'll give away a book. Dennis then said he would give one away to like pay it forward for like the show and the help he's had from Alex and stuff. So, and then Alex has said he's giving it away as well. So I think that was a good thing if, If this guy gets your book and becomes the next big hotshot, I'm sure he'll look after some people that need it. And the third and final winner is Nick Seelt, S-E-E-L-T. And this is amazing. He's got, I am an 81-year-old Australian that studies four hours every day and who is determined to get even better. I adore the coaching content and method of Alex and would love to win his latest book. So... An 81-year-old that's still studying. I mean, that just goes, we we talked about that. You know, if we see 81, Alex, that's in, what, 46 years for me. And how old are you? That's like
1: 61 years for me. No, that's uh, 49 years
0: for me. I'm 30. 49 years for you. You know, so, you know, that's, so that is the three, those are the three winners. And I will be in touch via Twitter. Or you can, uh, no, what I'll do is I'll get in touch via Twitter so we don't have people emailing me posing as Grandpa Grinder, you know. <laughs> <laughs> some guy sending in some picture of himself, like a, you know, glasses and moustache disguise saying it's, you know, some Grandpa Grinder. I will be in touch with you three guys uh, on Twitter in due course, and we will arrange to get the book sent out to you. My copy arrived as well, but I'm still reading another book, so... Alex is next on the list. I'll get into that. So I, of course, bought the paperback. Alex,
1: I appreciate that. And hey, uh, I just wanted to say, I was listening to an interview one time, and I heard a guy say, "I'm a much different person at 85 than I was at 80." The person being interviewed, and he was a guy who still studied and did things every day. And I thought that was the most badass thing I had ever heard in my life. That someone at that advanced age could still be so much in love with learning and keeping sharp. And it's an honor to get you a book. And it's an honor you would even think of my book as part of your process, my man. I love
0: that. I think that was a great winner pick, Barry. Well, what happens is it's like, you know, we talked about hitting 30 and things like that. And I mean, you know, I'm 35, I'm 36 this year. And it's like, it does mean nothing. There's no part of me that's sweating going, oh, I'm going to be 40. I mean, you can't stop that shit. You know, it's like, <laughs> it is what it is, you know? So, but it's so strange. What I've got more of an appreciation for now is when I was in my 20s, my mentor was, let me think, when I was, you know, um, 27 years older than me was, yeah. So you're talking when I was 15, 16, he was 43. When I was 20, he was wow. 47. And I was comparing myself to a 47-year-old man, <laughs> you know, on like whether I was a success or not or why, why did I not have – and you're forgetting, well, he's had another 27 years on you. He's had more – experience more than you than you have been on the planet you know it's like it's nearly three times your age so it's like you got to put things in perspective and I think what people do is you said it at the start you know you they sort of you're 30 you should have a Maserati and all this should be going and happening there are 30 year olds there are 22 year old billionaires you know there's whatever Um, but you can't that's the outliers. That's the survivorship bias. You've got to look at your own game and your own life. And like Alex says, I'm telling you, I remember starting again from nothing and liking it and enjoying it. And even more so, when I look back on those times, you don't miss them because you're looking at them from a romanticism and now you don't have to do that. Yeah. But you still, you still appreciate them. I think the key words appreciate them. So, in the moment, you should appreciate them because it's true. It's like when adults say to you, These are the best years of your life. And you're like, No way. When you get to 40, 50, trust me, when you're 50, you'll be looking back at your 40s fondly. So, just wow, that, that, is
1: nice. that. That is a good point. Sorry, go ahead. That was so well. Uh, that's so true because when you're 50, you look back at your 40s. But it's just, I think a lot of people get to 40 and they're going, oh, that's that. And it's like, no, like, there's still there's still 80-year-olds that can kick my ass. You can stay spry as long as you're working hard, right? Yeah, I guess I should mention I turn 31 tomorrow as long as we're talking ages. Oh, all right. Well, happy
0: birthday. for I didn't know that. So happy birthday. birthday. For my oh, birthday, so we so can always hold my running out a little longer. So I got Thirty 31's over. Just so forget what I said. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, what, one more thing on that point to all the poker players listening I remember when I, in case you forgot this is a poker show <laughs> and, uh, the, when I was 22 I used to compare myself to all these poker players who were 35 or 40 uh, when I first got to Vegas especially because I had a success on the European poker tour Uh, I I went to Europe when I was 19, 20, around there. And I had success, and I came back to Vegas and just got my ass handed to me. And I was comparing myself to all these Vegas pros that were 35, 40, not realizing they had 15 years on me. And it's really funny being, well, 31 tomorrow. And there's a lot of guys, we'll just be talking offhand at a poker tournament. I'll say something. He goes, "You, you just changed the way I think about poker and you're good at this game and it's funny because right now i'm a hundred times the poker player i was at 19 or 22 and i think i suck right (laughs) there's still so many things i'm working to develop right like my triple barrel bluff has been off for years my uh it's there's just lots of things i'm still working on and that's the fun part is it's a continuing process and if you're at the beginning of that process you know, I it sure didn't seem fun at the time being broke in Europe, trying to make it on the tour, and just just not doing that well, right? But now looking back, obviously it's rose tinted glasses. Being broke, chasing a dream was pretty damn fun. Not gonna lie, it was a it was a lot of fun, and we had a lot of good time. So yeah, again, appreciate the fruit that is in
0: season, as Barry is always trying to teach us. Yeah. Okay, as you say, this is supposed to be a poker show. But in fairness, it is our first show back of 2019. And the first time me and Alex have... Or second time, I think, maybe since the last show we've spoke. But first time we spoke on air and sort of got things going. First time we spoke constructively. Let's say it that way. Yes, well said. And and, uh, we will get into some questions. Just on that, the first show, there are going to be some changes this year. We are... Thinking we're going to be still doing a weekly show, uh, but there's a few exciting things possibly happening. So we will be talking about that in due course uh, when things are a bit clearer. Um, But it's good to be back. So on that note, let's see if we can do a question. In fact, I think the first question of the year, let me just check it. Yeah, it looks like it's two parts. So let's do this one and then wrap it up and go from there. Okay, okay. The question is from Anonymous. Um, doo, doo, doo.
1: <laughs> anonymous. Um, Why is Alex such a jerk? Anyway, sorry, go ahead.
0: Does Alex know his life's over at 30 years old? He's never <laughs> he's, he's never won a bracelet. He's not gonna win one <laughs> Give up. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. No, I'm joking, of course. Okay, so this one is from Anonymous. I wanted to ask something that isn't the typical poker strategy question. Have you ever had any moral slash ethical apprehensions about poker, especially when you played for a living? I have a lot of thoughts, but I'll keep it to two points. We often talk about trying to exploit others, and this just feels like a very negative word. It feels similar to bum hunting, which sometimes feels dirty. Two, I personally don't play cash because the money is too in your face. Tournaments are a different transaction for me. I pay a fee to play a game that I might end up getting rewarded for winning. Thank you, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts.
1: That is an excellent question. By the way, on the note that Barry said, we are trying to make this a weekly podcast again, but we're here out of the kindness of our hearts this week. We'll keep it at that. And, uh, yeah, so if we're ranting a little bit more than usual, uh, sorry. But, yeah. As far as ethical things, I've actually thought about this a lot, which was I could never, especially if you're raised with the Protestant work ethic, there was a lot of times I was on the tour where I would get done playing poker all day and I would bust and i go, there's one day in my life wasted. I just, I, I felt like this is such a worthless, I really struggled with this, the whole like, what am I doing with my life? Because I thought trying to take other people's money was a fairly worthless endeavor. So I actually struggled with this quite a bit. But I also think there's, now that I'm older, I I think that there are shades of gray here. One is, if my friends and I are betting on the Super Bowl... You know, 50 bucks doesn't really mean much to either of us, but it's really fun to take take it off our friends when we were right, damn it. We knew this team was going to win. And it's uh, my girlfriend and I make bets about things. Right. And it's just thing, it's something consenting adults can do. Uh, you're supposed to do it uh, like an, as an adult. You're supposed to do it with only money you can afford to lose. It's supposed to be enough to make it fun, not enough to make it not fun. With yeah, quote me on that. That was very eloquent. Uh, but it's your. It is on the adult participating. It is their responsibility to gamble with money they can afford to lose. There is a, also. I don't talk about this on the show that much, but I do count myself a christian i do read my bible every day i don't there's nothing in the bible like there's a lot in the bible against addiction there's nothing about gambling uh because honestly actually there's even references to sacred lots in the bible but i don't consider it unethical i i consider if consenting adults are gambling with money they can afford to lose it is completely fine now is it you you brought up a point of like, is it right to exploit others? Well, we're playing at a game right now. Like poker is a domesticated gambling game, uh, a domesticated hustling game. That would be a better way to put it at. And I don't hustle people in my day to day life. If I tell you what my product does and what its price is and why it's worth that, I'm telling you the exact truth. But when I get to play poker, it's a fun game, just as if we were playing, just as if we were playing any parlor game that might have to deal with deception. The money just makes the stakes higher. Now, obviously, some adults have different desires for different stakes. Uh, they have different amounts they can afford, but it is on the adult to. Make sure that they're gambling with money they can afford to lose. That is not my responsibility. I can't control that when I show up at a poker tournament. Now, that being said, this all sounds high and mighty and nice. There are there have been times I've been at a cash game where somebody has said something to the effect of, that was my rent money or something like that. Did I feel really good about that? No. It's... But again, you don't know if that's a gambit to get it back or something like that in it's to be honest, I didn't get up from the table. There was also times when I was younger where yeah, I was uh, I was clearly taking advantage of people. We'd uh, I'd play in games where people were clearly intoxicated and I don't think they knew uh, sometimes on drugs that, pretty high up the legal scale as far as bad. Uh, And I don't know if they were catching what the rules were in poker at that time. That being said, I should have made a lot more money if that was the case, but they just, that always felt weird. And when I was, uh, well, there was an incident where I left the game, uh, and I guess moments later a gun was drawn so that was pretty easy, you know. thinking about my sister and my mother who I support, pretty easy decision from then on. But that being said, this is another reason I really love low to mid stakes, right? Most, all of my coaching is for low to mid stakes poker where I made most of my money was low to mid stakes poker because I, <laughs> I don't care who you are, unless you're in a very far-flung nation. If I'm playing someone from Europe or the United States or even a lot of Latin America, if I take $100 off them, I I can be pretty certain they're going to be okay, right? And it is something I have thought of quite a bit, but I don't consider gambling between consenting adults to be, should be illegal, should be something to be condemned. I I think that is fine. I I think it's a, I I feel much sharper because I play poker every day. There's many of my friends who have jobs where they kind of just paper push. And I, I feel as if the mind is a muscle and it can atrophy. And it's very strange speaking to them at 31 and feeling as if they're much older than 31, and I, I think poker does have good effects. It is, I know many senior citizens who use it as a way to socialize. I I, I, I find it just a l- amazing challenge of wits that keeps you very sharp, and I think there's something wonderful about that. And if you do think it's unethical, you got to ask how far can you take this, right? Should there be no, you have to pay money to enter an amateur volleyball tournament in New York City. Should that, because they have to pay the officials, they got to pay for the courts. And then there is a small cash prize for the winners. Should that not be allowed now? Should you not, should the people who know they don't have much of a shot to win but just want to participate in the tournament, should they not be allowed to participate? No, it's on the adult to make those decisions. Uh that that's my personal opinion
0: i think it's a strange one because um anonymous uh the guy who wrote in he i just want to i don't want to misquote him so let me see the actual thing he said Mm -hmm. yeah he said about the cash games. he personally doesn't play cash because the money is two in your face. Tournaments are a different transaction for me. I pay a fee to play a game. Well, it's kind of the same. It's just done in a different way. I mean, a tournament entry is still the money. Those chips have a cash value when they're going in. I know he's saying cash games are maybe two in your face because sometimes there is actual physical cash on the table as well, or or you see the guy reloading out his pocket, you know, and then you felt them again, or, or whatever like that. But I, I I'm with I'm with you, Alex. If people are playing a game, you can only assume that they're playing with money that they can afford to lose. If they're not, that's a personal choice and arguably a personal problem. Um, if it's starting to cause major issues in their life, if they're, you know, not paying rent and bills or looking after their family, but they're going to the casino and playing in a you know a $300 tournament when there's no food in the fridge or whatever i mean you can't assume that like you say and you got to just go in and play i think if you're entering a tournament or sitting at a cash game you just have to i'm not saying don't question or don't have moral musings or ethical you know ponderings about the rights and wrongs here but if you're playing poker against people who are in the tournament you have to play to win, otherwise you're giving a charity or you're 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 putting your own money in and saying, I don't want to win this tournament because I don't think that guy can afford it, or I don't want to take this guy's money at the cash table because I don't think it's money he can afford to lose. You you can't do that. You have to assume that you can, because as you say, I mean, poker does attract the lowest of the low and also guys who are I've seen some people like gamblers who people would assume are, you know, dirty rats or whatever. Some of the most honourable people and respectful people I know are gamblers or professional gamblers. So you can't assume anything about anyone. I would say if you're playing these tournaments, try and win them. And, you know, you, you can't save everyone and you can't save people from themselves who are degenerates, for want of a better word. Who are gonna play or find the money to play no matter what you do, and they'll take your money and they'll try and take your money and try and take your chips. So it's just another thing. You got to you gotta to play to win, no matter who who you're playing at the table. And the whole thing about morally and you know ethically, it's it is weird how poker does have that um sort of, you know, sort of, I don't know. I think it's more from people who don't play poker or don't play tournaments. They sort of think, oh, you can lose all your money there and this and that. You can lose all your money being addicted to an online game that you have to buy, you know, you have to pay actual money to get add-ons or whatever in games. I mean, guys have done it in things like World of Warcraft and likely this Fortnite that everyone's been playing and stuff. Guys get hooked on this and then go in and spend thousands of dollars that they can't afford playing a game where you can't actually win money, you know, so I do, I think you just got to assume that people are responsible you know, in Vegas or whatever, it's 21 and over, it's life, you're playing the game, you got to just play it and, you know, play to win.
1: Don't forget, nobody would find a moral qualm with someone starting a restaurant starting a restaurant is a gamble 80% of restaurants fail, or
0: something along those lines. Is that right, Barry? You read more of these business books than I do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know the exact figure, but it's like that. It is. It's something like, you know, one in five, or so it is something like that.
1: Yeah, so it, it, it's really weird to me when people also go, I, I like the spirit of entrepreneurs. I'm like, an entrepreneur is a huge gambler except for in the United States where you have incredible bankruptcy protection. But in some countries where having debt will just leave you at a lower social class for the rest of your life, it is an extreme gamble for you and your family. And yet we ennoble that. That's not the right word. We we find that ennobling. But I think it's... I think we all struggle with it on some level. Is the best way we could wrap this up. Unfortunately, I don't think there's a tidy way to put it.
0: Yeah, I just say play with do your own do your own due diligence. As long as you're sitting at the table with money, you can uh, lose, and it's not going to affect your life or life of others who are in your, you know, whether it's dependents or your spouse or whatever. Um, as long as you're playing with money, you can afford to gamble and lose. Then you're doing your bit ethically and morally. Uh, you can only control your own actions. You could be sitting at a table with someone who looks like the guy's loaded. He's got a Rolex watch on. He's, he's splashing money around. It could be a load of drug money that he's made on the total you know, destruction of a local town and city. And the guy's gambling. But you'll happily take that money you know, or the guy can afford it. You don't know how the rich guy's got his money. He could be, you know, own some child labor factory in China that's making whatever, and he's just going, yeah, I'm playing here. You're like, oh, the guy can afford to lose it. You know, you look, he's, he, the guy's loaded. But you don't know how that money, where that's came from, whether it's blood money or drug money, etc. So you can't assume anything like that at the poker table. You just got to look after yourself and your own family Make sure you're gambling with money you can afford to lose, and go out and win, and try and try and improve your own life, you know, first in your own family's life, Uh, and that'd be the best. That's my sort of take on it. Concur. Okay, right, Alex, we're going to wrap it up for this episode, first back of 2019. Alex, how can people get in touch with you? I know you've had some sales on and stuff with various products and. I've also seen you teamed up with Jonathan Little for a few offers and stuff as well. So maybe just update people on what's going on with you in terms of materials they can buy and things they can get involved with. And then we'll we'll wrap up this first episode of 2019.
1: Well, thank you, Barry. Uh, I have a new video out on YouTube called The Five Preflop Plays You Need to Succeed. They are what I think an honest poker player needs to set themselves up for the best situations post-flop. And it's a very meaty presentation because I had a lot to say about this, but you can go ahead and check that out. I'll I'll give Barry the link uh, right after this and he'll he'll put it in the liner notes. Uh, Also, I do have a package of materials on sale right now. It's uh, six different uh, webinars, uh, it's called the Poker Craftsman Package. It's uh, That's a check, raise, fool, dissecting the donk bet. You flap too much. The professional's mindset, why Pisagno is right, in master poker with one hour a day. Those are normally $480 altogether, but till January 31st, they're $99. Uh, I called it the Craftsman Package because it's about being very precise when you play there's a lot of it is online oriented and because people were asking for online material. So I thought I'd put all my online material together. Uh, The professional's mindset is, excuse me, the professional's mindset is just about work ethic, how to facilitate it, how to focus more, how how to get more done as far as poker, Uh, master poker with one hour a day focuses on how to use databases to understand where your leaks are so you can make sure you're actually studying the right things as opposed to flailing around watching random hand history reviews hoping something jumps out at you and bites you on the ass. Uh, dissecting the donk bet, that's a check raise fool and you flat too much Discuss uh, Donk betting, check raising, and three betting. These are three specialized plays I use to wrangle bad regs all the time and they have worked for years and years and years. I show you hundreds of situations you can do it. I use Hud stats and some others. I use Combinatorics, so you can translate it to live. Uh, It's a great value. It's 25 hours of material. If you if you really just enjoy studying, you will be busy for a long time with this stuff. And yeah, you can uh, if you're interested in that, you can write me at alex at pokerheadrush.com. You can also watch the video that I'm going to give Barry and. In the info section of that video is the Poker Craftsman package. And if you want to get a feel for some of my very intense strategy content, you can just watch that video for free and get a one-hour lesson for free. Uh, no questions asked. And if you got anything you want to write me about, my email is pokerheadrush.com.
0: Okay. Alex, thanks for joining us. It's been good to catch up and yeah i think we i don't think we were too bad today i think it was very constructive and hopefully people can take a lot out of it and actually our work ethic and stuff discussion leaders give us a good we know it, we're, this episode is going to be work ethic and poker ethics there we go that's that's nice nice sort of title we've well done. got you tied yeah. that
1: together well
0: <laughs> yeah so um Thanks for joining us. If you do want to keep questions coming in for Alex, then please email questions at oneouter.com or tweet them or post them in the Facebook group and we will get them read out on a future show. As Alex said, hopefully we will be back soon on a weekly show for 2019. We're just finalising a few things that we're working on and um, we will be in touch soon. Uh, Keep an eye on Twitter and stuff and everyone that's subscribed, as soon as a new show comes on, it'll go straight into your... Stitcher or iTunes, anyway. Thanks for joining us. We hope 2019's been a good start for you and we hope it's going to be a good year for you. And I certainly know Alex is going to provide plenty more content and information for you to improve yourselves as a player and uh, take money off people at the poker table, um, no matter what their financial situation is. Um, (laughs) So, uh, Alex, thanks again for joining us. Until next time, cheers. I'll be back.